baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's 9.30 in 716. It was an evening of hope, help, and even some horror at the Let's Talk conversation on opioid prevention at Clarence High School. I'm grateful that this is even a conversation. Most of the people that I used to get high with are either still getting high or dead. They take the medicine as directed, and unfortunately for some individuals, it, uh, it can lead to uh, dependence and then addiction. Know what your child's doing and be their parent, not their best friend. I'm Tim Wenger on the podcast powered by the Brothers of Mercy, a five-star rated skilled nursing residence offering affordable living in a country setting. It was an interesting evening for sure, emotional and helpful. I was in the auditorium as panel member after panel member, then speaker after speaker, offered a unique approach to the opioid epidemic and what to do. Experts, parents, users, and those recovering, all as powerful as the speaker before them. A sampling on the podcast. Let's start with Andrew. He's a recovering opioid addict and in the Clarence Drug Court now. He talked to the audience and moderator Janet Snyder about his experiences. Most of the people that I used to get high with are either still getting high or dead. To somebody listening right now, what should parents know? What should we know to look for? What should friends, family members, people that are adults that are influences, a coach? I know we've got coaches here tonight. What should somebody look for? Um, as much as I would like to say that there are universal signs or symptoms, I think part of the reason why I was able to fly under the radar with everyone who was close to me for so long um, is that a lot of it is relatively negligible. Um, it's unless you're spending a whole lot of time with that person um, or you, you're able to compare um, the way they used to be to the way they are now and something seems off, uh, it's really hard to notice. I mean, my father, for instance, I maybe saw him for 30 minutes a day. Uh, so it was really easy for me to just say hi, bye, and then go to bed or something. How did you get it? How did I get what? Drugs. Where um, did you find it? <clears throat> when I first started off, when I was about eight or nine years old, um, I was smoking pot and drinking alcohol. Uh, the alcohol was mostly found in my house. And I had an older brother whose friends liked me. So that's where I started to get uh, pot from. And then when I was about 13, I started doing a lot of painkillers, uh, prescription opioids. And the, my first experience from that was from my grandmother's medicine cabinet. That inspired Sean Plunkett to come forward voluntarily and address the crowd. He's a graduate of Canisius High School and was a promising young athlete when opioids took control of his life. I'm grateful that this is even a conversation. Good. Because for a long time, it was a stigma. No one was talking about this. 
I, you know, I watched the, uh, I watched the clip and like for someone that's active in addiction, uh, they're very, they're used to needle street crime and that kind of a thing. Cause mm -hmm. that's where the disease progresses to. That's the reality. And for the kids that are here, um, I applaud you for coming, um, for listening. Um, and I know a lot of times people like, um, with certain, with their programs, just say no, stuff like that. Um, they try to, people try to tell you to say no, but I'm, I'm example. Um, I had a beautiful future. I had a fiance. I had a beautiful life. I destroyed my athletic career. Um, I was the projected NFL draft pick. Okay, I destroyed my life with opioid pain pills, and the disease progressed to a state where I used to live. You know, I couldn't live without using. Mm -hmm. That's where it becomes to me. Um, I'm a true recovering addict. You know, I'm abstinent from all drugs, whatever shape, form they come in, including alcohol, and marijuana. Those are drugs for me. Yep. Not everybody is that way, but. I know thousands of my friends, this is my life. This is their life. This isn't a joke in Western New York. This is really happening all over Erie County. And I know programs um, like Save the Michaels, Restoration Society, some of the programs that are out here, there is help available. If you're willing to get better, we can get you better if you're willing to go. I think we all have paths in life, and maybe your path has been to save other lives. And I think that's a way bigger future, and I wish you all the best. Didn't he do a great job? Thank you. Thank you. Now to the panel and two examples of the information that was shared. Dr. Gail Burstein is the Erie County Health Commissioner, and she told the crowd, this doesn't start with needles and street drugs. It's in our own homes. And most individuals who are uh, victims of opioid dependence or addiction are really uh, victims of taking, oftentimes taking medications as prescribed. I mean, many times, uh, you know, people are, uh, they, they, you know, they suffer an injury or they have some type of surgical procedure or a dental procedure and they're prescribed uh, narcotic pain medication, which often isn't necessary. Actually, most of the time it's not necessary. And they take the medicine as directed. And unfortunately for some individuals, it, uh, it can lead to uh, dependence and then addiction. I mean, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know, I'm, I want to, you know, start taking opioids every day or pain medication every day or heroin. I mean, it's really, they, people can fall into this path and before it's, um, and not until after it's too late do they realize that, you know, they're dependent and then they develop these behaviors that, um, you know, that cause them more harm um, and they continue using despite the knowledge that this is causing them a lot of harm. So, uh, so we have to realize that uh, an addiction is a disease of the brain. It's not a choice. It's not a bad behavior. People don't choose to, uh, you know, to, to have this dependence. And we also have to realize that oftentimes it's because they're, they think that they're, they're following good medical advice. And so when we think about uh, helping individuals who are, are at risk of, or are uh, addicted to opioids, we have to remember that we have to be compassionate and not judgmental, just like we would treat somebody who had another chronic disease like you know, diabetes or COPD or cancer that's, uh, that's you know, dependent on chronic medication. And because addiction is a disease of the brain, 
and um, many diseases, chronic diseases, require medication, and opioid addiction is one of them. It requires medication-assisted treatment. Uh, we know that, uh, that buprenorphine or suboxone is a, is a trade name that's commonly used, or methadone are the most effective uh, evidence-based treatments for opioid addiction. You know, detox, abstinence has about a 100% failure rate, and you're not just replacing one drug with another, um, just like somebody has diabetes, you're not saying, oh, I'm not gonna give you your insulin, you're not making enough yourself. So it's, uh, you know, we really have to rethink about how we uh, think about this disease and do everything we can to prevent it. Um, including emptying out our medicine cabinets. If you know we have, you have uh, you know drugs in your medicine cabinet that you haven't been taking because you didn't need them all. You're probably not going to ever need them. But somebody who is curious or who um, you know who who just wants to experiment that could lead to some bad outcomes. Um, may use them and cause a lot of harm. So we have drug drop-off kiosks throughout Erie County, and you can just go to thepointnewyork.org and type in your address and find the kiosk closest to you. At the end of next month, also the DEA is gonna sponsor an, um, a national drug drop-off day where you'll be able to drop off your drugs and these kiosks allow you to do it 24-7 confidentially. Looks like a mailbox, pop it in the top drawer and, uh, and you're done with it. It's, it's um, confidential. Also as a parent, one th other thing you could do, if you're taking your child to a healthcare provider and, or you know, including a dentist and they wanna offer your child some pain medication for whatever procedure, you can say no, or you can say, you know what, I just want like one or two days so they can get to sleep and take the edge off. I mean, I do that with my children, and it, uh, and, you know, it is really for their benefit. Most of the time, and there have been great data, great studies that prove this, is that the risk of these narcotic pain medication is much greater than the benefit. And most of the time, I mean, I'm not talking like severe motor vehicle accident, I'm talking, you know, uh, um, you know procedure like tooth extraction or minor, you know, or an injury, um, or even you know surgery, uh, like a hip replacement or, or something like that. Um, usually, uh, you know ibuprofen, hydrose ibuprofen, and acetaminophen, Tylenol will relieve the pain just as much. And we have good data to support that. Are the doctors in Western New York hearing these messages to stop writing prescriptions that people can become addicted to? Because those are the people we trust the most. Right, so there has been a steep learning curve among healthcare providers in our community. And they have uh, really stepped up and have uh, realized you know, what, uh, you know, what the, the cause of this opioid epidemic is and have done a lot to prevent addiction and also to treat addiction. So uh, we know from our Erie County Medicaid data, so we have our own prescription data, that actually hydrocodone that used to be the number one prescribed drug in among our Medicaid population in Erie County forever since we started looking at this in the past year and a half has dropped to number five. And ibuprofen is number one. Good. So we have good data to really demonstrate that 
physicians are not, and healthcare providers are not prescribing, and, or um, patients are not filling as many prescriptions that they have in the past. You know, also we know that healthcare, more healthcare providers, um, including my hero, Dr. Lynch, are uh, stepping up and getting certified to prescribe uh, sub, uh, buprenorphine or Suboxone mm -hmm. as a trade name to uh, help their patients battle with opioid addiction. The Clarence Drug Court is an example of an approach that is working in dealing with the opioid epidemic. But when asked for a piece of advice, Judge Michael Powers wasn't speaking from the bench. He was speaking as a parent. Parents have to be parents and not their children's best friend. I don't have a kid in my drug court that didn't have at least one enabling parent, and that has to change. What does that mean? What that means is that sometimes it is your kid's fault when your kid gets in trouble. Your kid needs curfews. Your kid needs boundaries. Your kid needs a kick in the butt from time to time. You can't be blaming the police. You can't be blaming the teachers. You can't blame the principal. You can't blame the next door neighbor when your kid misbehaves. Because if you create an environment at home where your child does not suffer consequences for bad behavior, you create a void in that child's life. The child doesn't know boundaries. The child doesn't know discipline. When that happens, that void gets filled. Sometimes it gets filled with healthy things. Often it doesn't. And with the availability of prescription painkillers and opiates today, if, and, and by the way, you need to know who your kids are hanging out with, but with the availability of these opiates, that void often gets filled that way. When your kid comes home at night, make sure you're up, give him or her a kiss, smell their breath, look into their eyes, know what your child's doing, and be their parent, not their best friend. And when the forum ended, the conversation continued as students and parents filed out of the auditorium and shared some of their thoughts. Uh, I just thought it was good that everyone came out, a lot of students here from Clarence High School. I just think it's good to get the message out to the youth. Did you learn anything tonight that you didn't know? Uh, yeah, I learned that, you know, prescription drugs are anywhere, honestly, you know. Uh, I mean, they talked in there about you can literally go into your grandmother's uh, medicine cabinet, you can just go and grab anything and anything can be used. Any takeaways that you, you know, would walk out of here tonight and kind of live differently, act differently? Uh, I would just try and tell everybody to get your message out, even if you were here, just tell five people and then five more people know and it all adds up. Well, it was it was really inspiring, like, I, uh, I haven't really been through anything much, it's just like, I don't know, it's, it's like the video we watched, it was really scary to, to see what could actually happen to people and all the, the people who talked and shared their stories. It was really inspiring and showing how dangerous that opiates are. I've gotten a little more information on how dangerous like opiates actually are. Like I've learned it in health. There was a presentation towards the beginning of the year. I don't really remember her name, but it was, yeah, I learned uh, a lot that like a ton of people in Western New York are uh, dealing with this drug. A hopeful and yes, helpful night. And thanks to the Clarence Drug Court, legislator Ed Rath, and the Clarence Schools for organizing and hosting. Back tomorrow. That's 930 in 716. We're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of WBEN Buffalo.
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.